Bwana asifiwe. I said Bwana asifiwe. Amen. Well, I am going to go straight to the ministry of the word so that we can redeem some time. When Reverend Julian asked me to come and minister, he gave me some specific instructions on exactly what he wants me to do. Uh, he asked me to come and bring to us a word about revival. I'm a student of the Bible, but I'm also a student of revival. So I'm, we're going to do some, uh, some bit of uh, um, lecturing, and you're going to learn a few things about revival. In the past about two years, especially here in this country, as we were coming out of COVID, there's been a prayer, there is, there's been a desire, a longing for a spiritual revival. And this meeting here with the thousands of us who are here, I think is a great testament that God is already moving in our midst. Did I hear an amen from somebody? That God is doing something new in our time. So I'm going to turn your attention to Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, if you're going to speak about revival, you cannot escape Ezekiel 37, and uh, from verse 1 there, there's a story of the vision of the dry bones uh, that God gave to Ezekiel the prophet. Uh, the hand of the Lord was on me, that is in verse 1, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into this slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, this bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. We ask, would you speak to us in the next few minutes, Lord, in this session? And Lord, I submit myself to you, dear Lord, as your vessel, and I pray that your people, dear Father, will receive the word with thanksgiving. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And somebody should have said amen. amen. The sound of revival. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the sound of revival. As God's people, we need to be like the sons or the men of Issachar, who the Bible says understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We need to be people who are discerning of the times that we live in. And God is always up to something. He's always doing something new. And whatever God intends to do, 
he begins to reveal it to his servants and to his people. Friends, I want to help us to understand that the road to revival runs through the past. I say the road to revival runs through the past. Now, if we receive a revival today, it's not because God has never revived his people. It is only that we want to get into the flow of what he's about to do in our season. Now, let me give you a little history here. A hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, now we've just come out of the COVID, uh, COVID uh, pandemic uh, just about a year or so ago, but how many of you realize that a hundred years ago, that was between about 1918 to 1920, there was another pandemic? So the COVID-19, a lot of people thought that this was something that happened out of the blue and it has never happened before. But I want to tell you that throughout the history of mankind, there have been many pandemics. Now, a hundred years ago, and actually they say, uh, historically speaking, that at least every hundred years, there's going to be a pandemic. So should Christ tarry, and uh, of course, in a hundred years, I doubt any of us will still be around. But a hundred years from now, there will still be another cycle of another pandemic. But a hundred years ago, there was the Spanish flu. It is estimated that about 500 people around, uh, who are about a third of the world's population at that particular time, were actually infected. Eventually, in that Spanish flu, at least 50 million people died worldwide. Coronavirus only took about almost 7 million people, but the Spanish flu took about 50 million people. Around that time, uh, during the Spanish flu, in East Africa, something was also happening around our region, that is around the East African region. Uh, the, 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 this region was divided. This region had its own issues. Remember, it was also the season when we were going through colonialism and uh, the church was divided. The missionaries were still here with us, but the church was greatly divided. And so much so that there was a lot of nominalism in the church. People were converting, but they were not really being converted in their hearts. People were becoming Christians just by name. Something that sometimes we also see in our own time. Corruption was the order of the day. In fact, they say, historically speaking, during that time, the corruption was so rife that it was present in the church, just like we see today. And uh, during that time, of course, Africa was uh, at the throes of, of, of colonialism and there was political upheavals everywhere. It was quite a society. It was quite a time during that time. Now, guess what? A hundred years later, we are just coming out of another pandemic. And when you look at the state of the church in this season, in this time, we are also very divided. There's a lot of Christians everywhere, but sometimes there's so little impact. So many people call themselves Christians, but they are just Christians by name. Uh, today, in certain sections of the church, there has been a push where people are, are, are encouraging believers to go back to African traditions. There is the saying right now that before Christianity came that we were first of all uh, uh, Africans. And I don't want to go there much because I don't want to step into people's toes. But there's that move and that push that we need to go back to African traditions, a sacrificial system, and what have you. We are in a crisis as a nation, as a body of Christ. Ethnic divisions in this country are at their worst, and by the way, you still find them also in the church. Of course, you realize politically in this country, there's also a lot of upheaval and so many things going on. And friends, all I'm just trying to tell us is that history is repeating itself. A hundred years ago, and what we are now is very much the same. It is within this context, a hundred years ago, in 1918 and 1920, that some members of the church, uh, and of course it began somewhere in Uganda, some members of the church began to desire, they began to thirst for something more. And I know that we have come to Rema because we are thirsting for something more. Do I have a witness in the house of the Lord? Because we are thirsting for more. We are saying we are tired of what we are seeing. We are tired of, 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 of uh, corruption in our country. We are tired of nominal Christianity. We want a change. We want a spiritual revival. 
a certain gentleman by the name of Simeon Sambibi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly from the Church of Uganda. And he was an Anglican. This man became so dissatisfied. And together with another gentleman, they joined hand and they began to pray. They began to call on the name of the Lord. And guess what? Something began to happen. Uh, something in the spiritual realm, just a man. And uh, he began to pray and joined with others. And the group began growing and growing. In fact, it is quoted that, uh, that Simeon Simbabi, this is what he said. He made a vow and he said, and I quote, he said, I have committed myself to God the Father. As from today, I desire to be genuinely holy and never unintentionally to do anything unguided by Jesus. He said, I am committed to God. I'm committed to holiness. I want to do the things that God wants me to do. Do I have anybody in this house who is saying, I am here because I want to hear the voice of God. I want to do the things that God wants me to do. I'm not here to entertain. I didn't come to see how many people showed up at Remaface. I am here because I am hungry for something different. Is there anybody who is here who is tired of the status quo? Is there anybody here who is tired of just going to through the same motions, the same things uh, from week to week? Is there anybody here who is saying, I want something different? Simeon decided there's got to be... See, God doesn't look for a crowd. Thank God for this crowd. God is just looking for one man. Listen, God is just looking for one woman. He's just looking for one person. He's just looking for one person who will be daring enough and say, I want something different. And I know in this crowd there is that one person. Maybe it is your neighbor. Maybe it is you that God is looking for. So this man, Simeon, he was dissatisfied. He was dissatisfied with the scene that he was seeing. That there was so much immorality in the church. And he began to pray. And as he began to pray, certain movement was big. It started happening. And it began in the grassroots in people's homes. There was something that started being stirred up. And as a result, friends, a small revival began to break. Are you still paying attention to this historical aspect? Because it is important. I'm going somewhere with this. Something began to happen. Things began to change. And they began from just a small place in the grassroots, in people's homes, in small groups, as people began to meet and people would begin to pray together, things began to, the Holy Spirit started moving. People start be, started being filled with the Holy Spirit. Bondages started breaking. People started confessing their faith and lives began to change. This movement began to spread, not only now in Uganda, it, it, it crossed borders. And, uh, and then before we realized it, it started affecting the whole East African region. And in 1937, that movement made its way into Kenya. Thank God for this nation. And, and then things started happening. And this is what we normally refer to as the East African revival. Have you ever heard of the East African revival? That's what happened. And that's how it began. And it began uh, spreading as it made its way into the country. Started spreading throughout the whole country and throughout the region. And although this movement was Anglican in origin, it affected every denomination. Isn't that what we need? We don't need, any, we don't need more denominations. We don't need to be divided along denominational lines. It began going to the Methodists and the Presbyterians and, and it began affecting everybody who desired and uh, often in its stages this movement was called the Rwanda movement because of its where it was first manifested but then universally it formed a group of people in Uganda listen to this who started calling themselves and I hope I pronounce this correctly Balokole somebody say Balokole Balokole. Now, the Balokole were the, they call themselves the Balokole because they were the saved people. That's a word in Luganda. It means the saved people. Now, initially, that name was supposed to be an insult. Because the world around them look at these people and they say, these guys are Balokole. But then, these guys who had been revived embraced that title and they, they accepted that term. And they, they often refer to themselves as the Aboluganda, the brothers and sisters who are in Christ. They call themselves the brethren. They call themselves the fellowship. 
And this is where the singing of that Luganda hymn, Tukutendereza Yesu, came from. Anybody ever heard of Tukutendereza? You want to try and sing it? Tukutendereza. That's as much as I know. But that became their anthem. And whenever they came together, they would sing together. It was a song of joy. It was a song of identification. It was their anthem. And they were proud to say that they are the Abolugan. They are the brethren, the fellowship. In fact, Tukutendereza became a greeting among the brethren. So you will find two people who are born again when they will meet together instead of, you know, in our time when we said, say, hi, hi, how have you been? For them, when they met, they would be so excited. They would just start singing Tukutendereza. Why? Because they were the brethren. Now, this movement continued spreading around the East African region and the focus of the Balakola, these saved people, was they focused on a repentance from sin. They focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. They focused on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they also focused on sanctification and the quest for holiness. Notice, these people were so into the things of God that the things of this world did not matter to them. All they wanted was more of Jesus Christ. Do I have anybody in the house who is saying, that's all that I want. I want more of Jesus Christ. Conversion was an overwhelming experience of brokenness at the cross. In fact, when they, somebody got born again, it provoked a public confession of sin. And other previous Christian experiences, maybe you had been baptized before you were even born again. All those um, experiences that they had gone through did not matter until you had been saved. In fact, the term uh, was kulokoka. You had to be kulokoka. That's why we get our term kulokoka. Because you had to be born again for you to be truly part of this great fellowship. These guys continued and for them their mantra was Jesus only. And I know that the theme for this particular uh, meeting is Jesus the Messiah. For them it was Jesus only. Somebody said Jesus only. These guys emphasized their unity in Christ. They emphasized that it did not matter what tribe you came from, what ethnicity you came from. They emphasized it did not matter what denomination you came from. Everybody was united together. For them, they were brethren. Now, some of you may not realize, may not know that the Pentecostal movement or the charismatic movement that today we enjoy and the reason we have this particular gathering here was as a result of the East African revival. Did you know that? We are a product of the East African revival. Somebody say amen. Because over the next decades, those who are born again, wherever they went, they spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Wherever they went, they preached the gospel. Churches were begun. And even up to the 70s and in the 80s, this movement was still, was still alive and well. And those who had been born again were still on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, what we are experiencing today and what we are seeing today, this is the aftermath of the East African revival. So why are we here? And I'm just going to take you that there in just a short while. In the text that we have just read, the text of the vision of the dry bones that was given to prophet Ezekiel will help us to also be able to map ourselves where are we in this journey of revival. Now remember what I have just told you, that a hundred years ago, the world was coming out of a pandemic. We are just coming out of a pandemic. Friends, as the world was coming out of a pandemic a hundred years ago, that's when the East African revival began. Who knows that maybe, maybe, as we have been coming out of Corona, that God is preparing us for a, another revival. Who knows, friends, that what we are seeing is that this is just preparation for what is just about. And I believe in my heart that God is up to something. And, and But this time around, 
I believe with all my heart and with no disrespect for any other nation that this revival is going to break off from Kenya, from this nation. God, because we have seen meetings in this country in the past one year that we have never seen even before Corona happened. I believe God is setting us up and I pray and I hope that you will not be left behind. That you will not be caught up in the propaganda that we are seeing. Some people uh, trying to deny and say there's no need for a revival. I want to tell anybody who thinks there's no need of a revival. I don't know where you're living but I know that we need a Holy Ghost revival. What we need in this country is not a new political movement. What we need is a revival Let me tell you When a nation is revived Even corruption Will bow down When a nation is revived Economically things turn around when, when a revival happens, our social system turns around Why? Because everything that we are seeing today Has its roots with, In the spiritual realm How many of you understand what I'm talking about In this place? So Ezekiel chapter 37, just go back there very quickly and I'll just try to wrap up this up in just a short while. Ezekiel 37. So Ezekiel is taken by the Lord into the spirit and, and then he says, of course, that he is taken into, into a different realm because God is about to speak to him and he brings him to this valley, the valley of dry bones. And the Bible says there that this valley had dry bones. In other words, this valley that Ezekiel finds himself in, obviously, probably, it may have been a battlefield because these bones were scattered all over this place. But the Bible says that they were not just dry, they were not just dead, they were not just bones, but they were very dry. In other words, even the moisture that normally you will find in bones of a carcass had already dried out, which means that these bones had been there probably for a very long time. And, and, and Ezekiel is seeing that and, and he begins to walk, walking around and he's seeing all these bones scattered and probably all heaped up in this valley. And God is about to speak to him. Now, one of the things that I must tell you is that as Ezekiel is receiving this word, he's receiving this word specifically for the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel at that particular time had been scattered to Babylon. They were out and they had been uh, taken on in exile to Babylon. And as a result, they had begun losing hope. They had begun losing hope whether they will ever go back to Jerusalem, whether the God will gather them back again. So God in an effort to encourage his people gives Ezekiel this word. And he tells Ezekiel this, I'm talking about the people of Israel. I'm talking about the nation of Israel. So God speaks to Ezekiel to go and bring this word of encouragement to the nation. But then you also have to understand this. Now, let me tell you something about this particular prophecy. Whereas God was going to bring the nation back to Jerusalem from Babylon, yet this word was not only confined to that season and that time. This word would guide the affairs of the nation of Israel for generations to come. Because up to now, this word is being fulfilled in the nation of Israel. Let me help you understand. See, in AD 70, uh, the, 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 the emperor Titus, who was a Roman emperor, came and destroyed Jerusalem, and he also came and destroyed the second temple, and he scattered the nation of Israel. For the next 2,000 years, the nation of Israel, the people of, of, of Israel, the, the Jewish people, did not have a home of their own. They were scattered to the four corners of the world. Some of them ended up in Russia, others even in Ethiopia, in other parts of Europe and all over the world. They were scattered all over the world. For, two, for the next 2,000 years, these people did not have a place of their own. Uh, and then something began to happen in the late 19th century when uh, through some Christians, some born-again people, uh, because of fulfillment of prophecy, began to encourage the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. So what happened towards the late, the late 19th century, the, 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 the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, those who were scattered all over the world, began to make their way back to Jerusalem. And then in 1948, following the Second World War, something happened. The United Nations at that time, they of course gave the people of Israel a home of their own in Jerusalem, and the nation of Israel was reborn. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And since that time, and uh, in that one whole century, 
God has been bringing the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. Did you know that? Up to very recently, even here in Ethiopia, they have been going back to Jerusalem in fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision. Where Ezekiel was told, listen, speak to the four winds. The, the, you know, the, the breath, speak to the four corners. So they're coming from the four corners of the world, coming back to Jerusalem, which will also tell us as God's people that we are living in the end times. These are the last days because it is happening. And even when the nation of Israel was born in 1948, immediately they faced enemies at every corner trying to destroy the nation. But how many of you understand when God's hand is upon you, nobody can do anything to you. Nobody can destroy you. They have survived many wars. And I'm here also to encourage somebody, friends. What is true for Israel is also for, true for you. If God's hand is upon you, do I have anybody who can say God's hand is upon me? I don't care how many enemies you have. They will not be able to destroy you. I don't care who rises up against you. They will be defeated before you in the name of Jesus. So this word is still being fulfilled. But more so not just for the nation of Israel, but also for the church, for the body of Christ. Do I have the church this afternoon? Now listen to me. So in this vision, let's just break it down to just seven parts and then I'll be done. So the first thing that you find in this vision is that Ezekiel is presented with a problem. The hand of the Lord was on me, that's what he says. And he brought me up by the Spirit of the Lord, set me in the middle of a valley. It was, it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. So Ezekiel is first presented with a problem. See, before God can send a revival, usually there's a problem. Ah, uh, you didn't hear me. Before something is brought back to life, it, first, it must first be dead. When we look around in our nation, in the times that we're living in, there are so many dead bones around us. Come on, talk to me in this house. There are dead bones of religion. There are dead bones of false spirituality. Can we talk about Shakahola in this place? That is false spirituality. There are dead bones in our political system. There are dead bones everywhere. Am I speaking to Kenyans around here? When we look at our nation, there are dead bones everywhere. And sometimes when we look around, all we see is problems and problems. When you read your newspaper every day, there are dead bones. It's only news of dead bones. Families are breaking down. LGBTQ is gaining prominence by the day. Dead bones. Somebody said dead bones in this place. We can hardly, we can hardly put food on the table. Yet we work so hard. Dead bones. And Ezekiel sees these dead bones and is presented with a problem. But thanks be to God that God does not just present you with a problem. He all, when he presents you with a problem, it only means he's about to do something great and something awesome. So the second thing that we find is not just a problem, but there's a prayer that is offered. So God speaks to Ezekiel. He asked him, son of man, can these bones live? Now look at the response of Ezekiel. Ezekiel says, I, sovereign Lord, only you know. Now that's not a statement of doubt. What Ezekiel basically is saying, this thing is so big that only God can do something about it. See, if you can sort out your own problems, you don't need God. Do I have anybody in this house that sometimes you're facing mountains? You're facing problems that are insurmountable. You're facing things that you know with your own strength. How many of you know that there are things that even your money cannot help you with? How many of you understand that there are some things that even your education cannot sort you out? That who you know will not help you? Have you ever gone to before God and say, Lord, unless you do this. Lord, unless you come through for me. Lord, unless you deliver me, this thing is too big. And what Ezekiel here is saying, he's saying, Lord, it is only you who knows. I tell you, this nation, it is only God who knows. But God is about to do something, friends. So he asks, can, this, can these bones live? But then the third thing, apart from the problem, apart from the prayer, there's a prophecy. Notice, so God, after Ezekiel speaks to him because prayer is dialogue. Now there's a prophecy. So the prophecy is, so God tells Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, 
Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I, I prophesied as I was commanded. Notice. So apart from a problem, there's a prayer. But then the third thing is there's a prophecy. And God tells Ezekiel, prophesy to who? To the dry bones. Speak to the dry bones. Listen, that is why we have to keep preaching to the dry bones. You're quiet up in here. That's why we have to keep speaking to our situations. Ramaphis is about speaking to dry bones. The dry bones in our lives. See, a lot of people don't understand. See, prophecy is both foretelling and foretelling. When we preach, we are prophesying. When we preach, it's an act of faith. We are speaking to things that are dead. We are calling those things that are, that are dead and we are calling them as though they are alive. We are, we are speaking life to them. And I want to declare, even over this nation, we must speak over the dead bones of our nation in the name of Jesus. And it is not just for preachers. It is for everybody who is here. Did you know that every one of you who is seated here, as long as you have the word of God in your mouth, you can prophesy. You can go back home and prophesy over your children. Come on, somebody in this house. Let's have some church in this house. You can go and prophesy over your wife. You can go and prophesy over your business in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's begin speaking faith in this nation. As God's people, sometimes we have been caught up in complaining like everybody else. I pray that out of Rema 2023, that we will have prophets moving out of this place, going to the byways and the highways, going back to our churches, going back to our institutions, going back to our businesses. We begin prophesying. We begin speaking things that are not yet. Why? Because we are prophesying to dry bones. Do I have anybody here who is saying, Pastor, I can think of a few dry bones in my life. I want to give you a commission right now. Go and prophesy. Go and speak life to them. So Ezekiel was told to prophesy. But then the, th the fourth thing, apart from prophesying, and of course he went ahead and did that, but notice there was a process. Because after we speak forth, sometimes you don't see immediate results. How many of you know that God's time is not our time? God's ways are not our ways. So there's always a process, listen to me. But sometimes we get discouraged by the process. So notice, as when, when Ezekiel prophesied, the Bible says as I was prophesying, there was a noise. Somebody say noise. I, I mean, come on, say it like you are making some noise. There was noise. Notice it says, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons of flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath. Notice, when he began to prophesy, he says, there was a noise. Something, there was movement. Something began happening. Can I tell you, I don't know whether you have begun to perceive it, but the more we prophesy, there is a noise. I tell you, Kenya, please prepare. I say, Kenya, prepare. Because I hear a sound. And I don't hear a sound of complaining or murmuring. I hear the sound of revival. I hear the sound of an outpouring of the spirit of the living God. Just as it was in the East African revival, I was not there. But I hear a sound that they heard. They heard the sound of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. They heard the sound of a spiritual renewal. They heard the sound of chains breaking. They heard the sound of the enemy being defeated. Do I have a witness in the house? I said I hear the sound. I have not yet seen it, but I hear the sound. The more I preach, I hear the sound. The more I proclaim the word of God, I hear the sound. Wherever I go, I hear the sound. I hear the sound of revival coming. Can you hear the sound, friends? I hear the sound. The sound of our young people coming to the Lord by faith. I hear the sound of our churches being filled with sinners and coming to the Lord in repentance. I hear the sound of healing. That healing will become the order of the day in our churches in Jesus' name. I hear the sound of relief 
religion being broken in the name of Jesus. I hear the sound of a new beginning. I hear the sound of an uprising, a spiritual uprising among the people. I hear this. I wish I had five people who are hearing the sound with me. I said, I hear the sound, and it's a spiritual sound. I hear the sound, I hear the sound of children singing praises to the Lord, of children speaking in tongues. I hear the sound of, of, of churches being changed and transformed. I hear the sound of deliverance. Does anybody need deliverance? I hear the sound and it's a sound of revival. Ezekiel began to hear the sound. Listen, God's people, preachers who are here, we need to begin hearing the sound. I said we need to begin hearing the sound up. We begin to we need to begin tuning our ears because God is doing something in our time and in our season. There is a sound up. Ezekiel began to hear the sound. The sound of things coming back together. That which was broken, I prophesy right now, is coming back together. Marriages that were broken are coming back together. Bones that were dry are coming oh i wish i had a few more people see i'm a pentecostal preacher so you will excuse me uh, uh, but i hear the sound listen our children who are lost in drugs i hear the sound i have been privileged for the past four and a half years to preach in eastlands and eastlands is the cradle of drug and, and an alcohol abuse but i have been there and i tell you i hear the sound i have been seeing young men young women coming to the lord i have seen chains breaking because there's a sound of revival there's a sound of revival there's a sound of revival but here is a problem so ezekiel hears he, he begins to hear the sound you can imagine you can imagine ezekiel gets excited because the bones that were dry suddenly are coming together. Can you imagine being in that valley and bones coming together? The knee bone finding its, its, uh, its neighbor, the hand bone and all the bones just coming together. And then suddenly the skin forming around them. But, 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 but notice, notice he's heard the sound. But the Bible says there was no breath. There was no breath. There was no breath. So now, are you listening to me? This is important. Ezekiel has moved from a valley of dry bones to a valley of corpses. He has, it's good, yes, thank God for what he's doing. But now, what good is a valley of corpses? Bible says that he put it, the, the, the tendons came together, skin came upon them, but there was no breath. Oh. See, sometimes we give up too soon. This conference comes to an end today. And some of you will go back to your setting and you'll have been excited. But you'll be saying, Lord, at least I moved from a valley of dry bones. But Lord, the situation is still dead. And sometimes we get discouraged and then we wait for the next conference. Is anybody still here? Because it's, it is easy to be disappointed and discouraged. Why? Because God does not move according to your timetable. We don't command him to do what we want him to do when he needs to do it. Because there's a process. Somebody say process in this house. So notice. So the next thing he notices there's no breath. Verse 9. Then he said to me. God is saying something in this house. Then he said to me. Prophesy 
Now, not to the dry bones, to the breath. In the Hebrew, breath, ruach. Prophesy to the spirit. And he said, prophesy son of man and say to it, what? this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath, come breath from the four winds and breathe into this slain. Now notice how the wording has changed. Don't, not, don't breathe to the dry bones, to these who are slain, these who are dead, that they may live. So Ezekiel happening, he said, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life. Not only did they come to life, suddenly there were a vast, somebody say vast army. Suddenly the, the bones became dead bodies. But now the bodies, can you imagine, as they began to prophesy to the wind, to the breath, to the spirit, breaths began to enter those bodies and bodies started rising up <sighs> I see I see dead situations coming to life listen some of you gave up some of you thought that God had forgotten you I wish I was speaking to a few people just five people I just need to speak to five people some of you God started doing a miracle but then something happened along the way. You, you thought the situation was getting better, but it seemed like it got stuck. I'm here to tell you that God was not done yet. He said, these dead bodies rose up and they were a vast army. Listen to me. Revival is coming. Revival, listen, listen, listen. Listen, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, our Messiah, 120 dry bones gathered in an upper room and they waited, they have been told to wait until they received the promise of the Father. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 120, God was forming 120, not a thousand, a hundred and twenty were gathered in our upper room, not knowing what they were. All they knew is that they had been told to wait. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they had the sound. There is always a sound. They had the sound as of a mighty rushing wind. And suddenly that place was invaded by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit rested upon every last one of them. And they began to speak with other tongues. They began to prophesy. They began to praise the Lord. Do I have anybody in this house who knows what I'm talking about? That it is possible to still speak in tongues in this day and age. Listen to me. There's another language that God gives us. It's called the gift of tongues. It is not the tongues of men. It is the tongues of the Spirit. And sometimes when you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray for. Sometimes when words run out, you go into the spirit and you begin speaking in tongues it is an unknown tongue but you're not speaking to men you're speaking to God and sometimes you pace up your living room because things are so thick and difficult and you're there speaking and praying in tongues do I have anybody who knows what I'm talking about in this house in this last days friends this revival we are waiting for is not going to come through some inspirational and motivational speaking it is only going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Is there anybody in the house of the Lord who is saying, I want to be like the 120. And you're saying, Lord, I'm ready for a fresh outpouring. Lord, I'm ready. I'm a vessel and I'm ready. Lord, I'm thirsty for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm longing for a fresh outpouring. Lord, empower me with the Holy Spirit and with power. I wish I had 300 people in this house who are saying, Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. And those 120 were like they became a vast army. And for the next 25 years, the Bible tells us that they turned the world upside down. Listen, not a thousand, not two thousand, a hundred. Come on, somebody say 120. He's looking not for multitudes my God come on come on come on people talk to me in this house he's looking not thank God for the thank God that you came but here's the thing even if you didn't come and there were only a hundred people here even if you did not show up and there was only 20 people in this gathering who are just saying Lord here I am Lord a fresh outpouring a fresh outpouring See, unfortunately, sorry preachers, but I have to say this. And I know my time is up. I'm so sorry, Pastor Lise. But listen, listen, I'm a preacher. I'm one of you. I'm one of you. And I've been preaching this gospel in this city and uh, around the world for, for a long time. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we made this gospel about material things. Our people are more hungry for a bigger car. Our people are more hungry for a bigger house for a bigger title listen I'm going to say this and I say this with all due respect Jesus did not go to the cross so that you may drive a Mercedes anybody can drive a Mercedes even sinners are driving Mercedes Benz if he gives you one thank God he went on the cross because he was raising a vast army he said in these days I want to raise a vast army that will do my bidding but we have made it in some of our circles all we talk about is money and more money and, and then let me tell you more money is not going to change this world I'm not saying that God is not a God of prosperity but I have to desire him more than I desire a new car and don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Even me, I love a new car. I would love one. But I have to desire him more. I have to desire the spirit. I have to long for the spirit more than I long for the food that I eat. More than I long for position. Sometimes I have to come to the altar and fall at the altar all night long saying, Lord, Lord, fill me or I die. Oh, Lord, we fill our altars with people wanting things. Pastors who are here, let's begin for filling our altars with people who want more of the Spirit more of the spirit more of the spirit people who will come and fall at the altar saying when I go to that board meeting tomorrow I want to be full of the Holy Ghost when I go to negotiate that tender I want to be full of the Holy Spirit spirit of God is in this house he's in this place right now I don't know what you're waiting for but he's already here He's already here. He's looking. He's looking for some dead bones. He's looking for some dead bones. He's looking for some dead bones. So the power. But beyond that, friends, listen. Listen. He has a plan. He doesn't fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit just so that we can shake and tremble and feel good. Come on, can we? Uh, again, forgive me, but I have to say this. 
Too much theatrics in the church. Too much drama. He doesn't feel us just so that we can shake and tremble and froth at the mouth. If that's all you got, you didn't get the Holy Spirit. If all you have is drama, <laughs> I don't know whether you'll ever invite me again to Ramaphis, but if all you have is drama, you didn't get the Holy Ghost. He has a purpose. Somebody say purpose. So notice, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and, and breath entered them. They came to life, stood up on their feet, a vast what is an army for <sighs> what is an army supposed to do an army does two things an army is on the offensive and on the defensive is on the offensive against the enemy and on the defensive guarding that which God has secured for us do I have any witnesses God is looking for an army He's looking for men and women who will be on the offensive, who will go to the enemy's camp and take back what the enemy has stolen. Has the enemy stolen anything from your life? You say, a vast army. That's my purpose. That's why. That's why I fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can be a vast army. Then finally, finally, apart from the plan, is that there had to be a how many of you understand God is a God of purpose therefore prophesy and say to them this is what the sovereign Lord says my people I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them listen this is a prophecy for you I will bring you back to the land then you my people will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from there. His purpose is a soul. Listen. His purpose is a soul that the whole world may know that he is the Lord. This gospel does not stop with us. Are you hearing me? God is not trying to form a small club is that so that the whole world may know. I finish with this. There are some of you who are here and God will send to the nations. He will send to the nations. You will not go necessarily as a missionary. You will go as an entrepreneur. You will go as a professional. But so that the whole world may know. Lift up those hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, may your word permeate our hearts and our spirit. Fill us, Lord. Come on, somebody, just pray for yourself right now. Hallelujah. A fresh, a fresh outpouring.